The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Man, that was a tough loss last night. Man, I, I'm still stung by that three-pointer that Iowa State hit with, like, what, three or four seconds to go. They didn't get to watch the game. You know, I'm calling Manhattan High basketball. And then I see the uh, old score bug on ESPN's app show Iowa State up a couple of points with, like, three seconds to go. I was like, damn. After the Cats led the whole way, man. Aoka Lee scores 38, a new conference game individual record at 11 rebounds. K-State fans, if you're just now getting into K-State women's basketball, I think you learned last night Aoka Lee is the best player in the country. Welcome into the game. Mitch Fortner and uh, Big, Big Steve's is across the glass. I have no idea where David G is. He might show up late, and I am going to uh, roast him for it when he gets here. That's the only reasonable thing to do at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He is also a father. Got a baby. So maybe something come up, but we'll uh, we'll deal with that at a, la- at a later time. But first, I do want to welcome in our first guest, which, by the way, coming up later this hour, we will have the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtz. Chiefs going into playoff mode now, hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers and. Big Ben and most likely his final game this Sunday for Sunday Night Football. Mitch Palm, K-State hosting TCU tonight. Number one song of the day, and of course, Ask Us Anything is coming up as well. But for the first couple of segments, he's on the road right now to Manhattan. We are joined from K-State Online. That is Derek Young, at Rivals on Twitter. Welcome in, D.Y. Now, first of all, before we get into some hoops, since you're on the road right now, I got to ask you, because I got this statement all the time, when I was like in high school driving in for school or you know going to hang out with some friends, were you ever told to watch out for deer back in the day? Yeah, I was, I was told that in, in Ohio all the time, to watch out for deer. It's, uh, it was always the certain time of year or, or uh, when it was dark out when I was told that, and also the time of year is black ice, right? Yeah, that, that, that's also a possibility for sure. So those are the things. But, yeah, so on here for a little bit, we'll probably be at the mercy of cellular reception <laughs> in the state of Kansas. Where are you at right now? I'm on K-10 uh, in between uh, Johnson County and Lawrence. Hmm. Trying to think if there's any, like, blackout areas in that. We should be all right. We'll see what happens. We'll have you on for a couple of segments and uh, – I know you're driving. Your hands free, right? Uh, not, no, not the moment. But, oh. uh, because it wasn't cooperating. But uh, you know, don't don't do as I say or do in this case. All right. Well, um, uh, the reason I asked about the deer situation, well, I didn't know if you're like a city kid and uh, you didn't have to leave the city too often. You didn't wouldn't have to watch out for deer if you're in the city. But uh, that's why I asked. Growing up in Ohio, where did you grow up in Ohio? I was definitely in, in a three-stoplight rural Ohio town, so not much of a city slicker at all. It was it was a lot like rural Kansas, so the deer thing definitely uh, resonate resonates with me. Funny thing is, I live in Lenexa now, 
and I've seen deer just outside of my apartment. So it's, uh, it's even here as well. I, I have had deer in my neighborhood before. I'm kind of in the Northview area of Manhattan. Uh, but growing up, I mean, I lived in a town of 180 people. Across the street wasn't a house. It was a cornfield. And, and if you walk 50 feet down the sidewalk, you're officially in the country, which, by the way, I also grew up in Jayhawk Road. That wasn't very cool. But, D.Y., let's, let's jump and do some hoops here. I, I did actually want to start with your uh, reaction to the game last night for K-State women's basketball because – to me, that was actually the biggest game for the K-State women in quite some time. They're in the top 25. Iowa State, it's their best team in quite some time. They're ranked ninth in the country. And you, along with a lot of the rest of the K-State media, have jumped on to what K-State in the women's department has been doing as of late with a great start in Big 12 play. But Aokali goes off for 38 points, that heartbreaker at the end of the game. But your thoughts uh, watching that game, because I know you watched it. I wasn't able to. Yeah, I mean, a disappointment loss, that's one that probably at the end of the season you're going to wish you had back because that was clearly a winnable game. They led from basically start to finish. Iowa State's the lead that they claimed at the end of that ball game was their first one since 3-2. to two. So Kansas State controlled it throughout. Definitely going to be the one that kind of got away for them. But at the same time, just because of what transpired over the last few years, I think you can also take a little bit of solace still, even though it was a disappointing loss, and that you did prove that you belonged on the biggest stage in the Big 12 right now. I do want to bring up another note here about Aoka Lee. I mentioned there in the uh, intro of the show that Aoka Lee is now, um, with that performance last night, she is now has a new K-State record for most points in a game by an individual in a Big 12 game. I should make that specific there. And that was against the ninth-ranked team in the country. Aoka Lee, with her 38 points, also moved into 14th place all-time in points. Now with 1,321, she uh, is now tied with Kimberly Dietz, who played from 04 to 08 with uh, 1,321 points. But yeah, such a, man, that three that went in right towards the end of the game. But uh, it's no doubt about it. Going back to last year, teams just double-teamed the heck out of Aoka Lee. Was that what Iowa State was doing there in the second half? Uh, they began to do that. I mean, they tried to single-cover her throughout the entire first half and she scored 24 points. So they had to change up what they were doing defensively. And at the end of the day, they can't say just didn't make enough outside shots because uh, Aoka Lee only had, I think, a couple touches in the last four or five minutes. So Iowa State did force the ball out of her hands uh, more than they had done so prior to that moment. And, and just Iowa State getting hot from three in the fourth quarter. I think they were six out of seven maybe in the fourth quarter from distance. And that proved to be quite a difference too. But the last two um, are, the, are the ones that were kind of like, yeah, you, you couldn't have fit it in a better way, right? I mean, the, the second, the last one was a, a bank shot, which was a bit of a prayer. And the one before that, was a three-point make by probably their worst three-point shooter. So, I mean, a little bad of luck thrown in there, too, where things came around for the Cyclones late. They, they were shooting pretty poorly up until, you know, later on in the second half. But, again, just one that got away. Iowa State's three-point shooting, and kids, they just not making enough shots at the end are likely the difference. Yeah, K-State loses by three, yet Iowa State goes 12 of 23 from three. K-State goes four of 16, and that was after, you know, playing at um... – in Oklahoma State, and Serena Sundell hits six triples. I think, or, and Jalen Glenn hits four. I may have them mixed up, but you know, ten of, for those two freshmen, and then the freshmen have one apiece in this one. Yeah, the the three point shooting 
Uh, definitely wasn't there what we've seen in past Big 12 games, but Aokali is just such an animal, especially at home. I mean, 43, uh, 38 points, rather, and she scored 43 in the first game of the season at home. She knows how to put points on the board um, when it comes to playing inside of Bramlage Coliseum. To the, by the way, the K-State women play Texas Tech Saturday at 2 o'clock. K-State will host the men's side, will host Texas Tech on Saturday. But we have a TCU tonight. Before we get to that game, kind of the topic around the Twitterverse today was about Davion Bradford and him just kind of cleaning up, basically racing everything he had on Instagram and then posted this cryptic picture of him getting off the grid and everybody was thinking he's gone like okay this this feels like transfer portal type of content but that it's the opposite right like he just wiped everything away that doesn't explain his status yeah it wasn't in it so far at least it hasn't been an indication of him heading you know out of the program by any means i mean i think the social media account the men's basketball account just just posted maybe on bradford Real quick, D.Y., um, we, we need to uh, roast somebody here real quick uh, because uh, the young man who just showed up late is hmm. now here. Hmm. What's going on, buddy? Now, you know, uh, that uh, burning building that I had texted you about earlier, uh, oh. just now, um, the, the fire has been put out by uh, Riley County's bravest, and I got those kittens out of there and those uh, kids. So everything's safe. Uh, nothing to, to go, nothing to blather on about. Let's get out of here. Well, how about that? David G's a hero. That's right. The applause. There's no applause hot key. Big Steve. Thanks a lot. Okay. Well, welcome Fine. to the show, David G. Hello. Welcome to the game with Mitch Fortner and Derek Young. Okay. <laughs> I want to go back to what, uh, Bruce Weber, D.Y., what Bruce Weber said before the West Virginia game. Of course, the Cats are shorthanded, um, and they had just coach, uh, uh, Jermaine Henderson there to to coach the team with some GAs, but he mentioned it was unfair conditions. And then I asked, you know, Gene Taylor about the situation. He's like, well, you know, that's kind of what we agreed upon. Yeah, it stinks, but that's what everybody said is uh, fair at that point. Do you feel what K State had to go through against West Virginia was unfair conditions? Uh, I kind of on board with Gene Taylor. If that's what you agree that the rules are, then I think you have to understand there's a possibility that you're going to play under those conditions. And I, I think the problem, when it comes down to it, to the thresholds, so to speak, is that you have to trust that everyone is operating and playing by the book. And I think Bruce almost was insinuating that there was teams not doing that. So I think that was his insinuation or maybe his speculation um, saying that if, if a team gets close to that threshold, then maybe they fix it, so to speak, to where there's more players out or more coaches out and the game does ultimately get canceled. But I have a hard time seeing that it's unfair if that's what you agree to at the end of the day. But when it comes to these thresholds, unfortunately, there can be a competitive advantage when it comes to it. It makes more sense for your whole team to basically succumb to the protocols and, and be out instead of just a few at a time so that you're not playing any games shorthanded. Uh, yeah, and I, w- w- the part, if, if I had to say if there's anything that's unfair about it with the way things are currently set with the, the health and safety protocols of COVID and uh, the guidelines that everybody's going by, the one coach thing sucks. 
Like, trying to coach with just one dude, basically trying to police everything that's going on, that's a tough thing to do. That's tough for a high school coach to do, a middle school coach to do. You like to have the extra help there on the bench. The players thing, yeah, six is a really small number, but um, in case it's playing with seven or eight, nine, you know, that to me, that's not an excuse. That you you got to go out there and be able to perform at K-State women. They, against Iowa State, one of the best teams in the country last night, had eight players total that were going to go out there and play. And, and Iowa State was pretty much at full strength. So uh, that's where I kind of draw the line. Yeah, and some of that's K-State's fault, right? They, I mean, they're playing one with one less scholarship player than they have to. They could have went out and signed someone else, too. And, and maybe the maybe that person ends up succumbing to, to the protocols at We'll never know. I mean, that's you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But and they, but they, I mean, so some of it is a little bit self-inflicted in terms of the player uh, limitations. We're speaking with Derek Young from K State Online. Dy will take a break, and when we come back, I mean, K, uh, KansasState.rivals.com is where you can get the best up-to-date K-State news and the best expert analysis. We'll get uh, D.Y.'s thoughts on where K-State needs to improve moving moving forward and uh, a preview tonight. K-State and uh, T.C. that's coming up with D.Y. here on the game. The game continuing on KMAN. Yeah, DG over here, headbanging into some Van Halen. They, I mean, you know, they're always like, "Hey, man, it's Van Hagar or whatever." They got some good jams. You know what I'm saying? Have, have we not talked about that? I'm pretty. I, I can. It probably gets brought up once a month. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh yeah, okay. I like them both. Me too. I love them both. I even like uh, Van Sharoni. <laughs> when. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a loser. That was a dumb joke. Okay, well, here's the deal: like you're not alone. <laughs> I just, uh, I don't think I would compare it. No, it's not even to Hagar and. Uh, no, I tell you what, though, and I and I, I've, I've probably said this here before many times, but oh, Sammy, his mm. voice I think is is held up way better than old David Lee Roth, Diamond Dave. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It kind of gives credence to like drink tequila like all the time because your voice is going to sound like you're 25 years old. I'm glad we figured out because as a broadcaster, I lose my voice all the time <laughs> calling games, especially those Manhattan doubleheaders. Dude. I easily lose my voice. If I get excited, I'm going to blow it out. Right, right. Do I need to keep tequila on hand? Like a little, uh, little Cabo Wabo. Yeah, yeah. Clear out the, uh, clear out the voice a little bit. I mean, and if, if not, at least you're going to have a good time. Even if it doesn't work, at least it's going to be fun. We're back with uh, Derek Young from K-State Online. You can follow him on Twitter, at DeYoungRivals, and go check out KansasState.Rivals.com for the for K-State news and also expert analysis. And D.Y., speaking of that expert analysis, you had an article out today about exactly you know where does K-State men's basketball moving forward, where do they need the most improvement as they are now getting back to full strength. Might not have Mike McGurl tonight, but as for the most part, back to full full strength. Where does that? Um, where do you start when it comes to getting things improved with K State men's basketball? They've actually shot the ball pretty well in, in Big Twelve play this season. One of the best shooting teams in, in, in the league. They're thirty seven percent from the three point line in Big Twelve play. So you really can't 
complain about that facet. But to me, I, I, I immediately jumped to two different things. One is the defense. That's a staple for Bruce Weber teams, and it just hasn't been there. They've been one of the worst defensive teams in the league through the first three games of the conference uh, schedule. So that's one thing. And secondly, it's just playing a full 40 minutes has been a slog all season. I, I don't know that we can come out and confidently say that they've yet to do that this year. It's either a slow start um, out of the gates, which was happening a lot before the last few games, or it's you know losing a 17-point lead on the road against West Virginia. I mean, whether they're starting out slow or, or losing a lead late, they just don't play the full 40 minutes. Yeah, I agree. I I mentioned this to to David G earlier, uh, not earlier, but yesterday about how with the last couple of games, it's still kind of the same thing happening, except it's in reverse order. You know, when right. things are normal, K State they go through their lulls, but it's it's a first half issue where it's you know the first eight or nine minutes of the game before they finally get things going with 11 minutes to go, but they're down 10 points. Meanwhile, they're playing fantastic in the first half when when Bruce has been gone, but it's the second half lull. Yeah, that's a big, that's a huge issue, and that's really been a backbreaker for K-State. Those lulls, if they eliminate those, it's a much different season. We're talking about a much different team right now. When it also comes to correcting things, I do want to bring up the bigs. You know, Davion Bradford, rough game against West Virginia, just really looked off balance, just didn't look like himself. And of course, Casey, he hasn't he hasn't played in a couple of games. I do want to ask you about Carlton Lingard, who I thought has actually looked not too bad. I mean, if you're Bruce Weber, do you are you starting to give him more minutes? I think you at least give him Logan Landers minutes. I think he's at least earned that. Nothing against Logan Landers, but it's clear that one person, one of those players, belongs playing against Big 12 competition, and it isn't Landers. It's Lingard. And you could probably make a pretty strong argument that he should chew into the minutes of Casey Diego and Davion Bradford as well. I mean, Bradford gets to a certain minute threshold, and he becomes a shell of himself and a complete liability on the floor. I mean, we could say that he just wasn't himself against West Virginia, and obviously his you know, misconversions at the rim were critical, but you could say that about him all season. He's been a shell of himself and not himself all season. If you compare it to the version that we saw last year, and with Easy Agu, yeah, he hasn't played the last few games, but he struggles. I mean, it's hard to say Lingard should chew into his minutes because he's barely able to stay on the floor because of the foul trouble that he incurs on a consistent level. I am a fan of what I've seen recently at Carlton Lingard. I mean, he's, you know, he's a big man. He's, what, seven foot, right? Like Davion Bradford, he's got the long arms. He can block shots without fouling, and he can, he's also rebounding. And I think K-State needs that kind of guy out of, uh, out of a big, a five, because Davion Bradford really hasn't been a shot blocker this year, and recently no Casey Eziegu, who's had an up-and-down season anyway. With tonight... TCU is in town. You're on your way to Manhattan right now to come watch this game and evaluate the Cats. And what's your preview tonight? What are you expecting out of this game? Yeah, it's interesting. TCU's kind of a hard team to judge, right? I mean, they've played one game since December 21st because they were on the, what do you want to call it, a pause or whatever due to COVID-19 and along those lines. So they've only played one game. They've only since before Christmas and, and only one Big 12 game. Kansas State's got all of their Big 12 games in. they got all of their games in except one. But, uh, two different teams cancel on them because of COVID-19. So it's interesting. TCU's just a tough gauge. They were in that lone Big 12 game. They lost to Baylor. 
um, who is probably the best team in the league again, but they were winning at halftime. So TCU is a lot better than most anticipated them being this year. I think most thought they would be ninth or 10th in the league, and you could probably make a case that they're 6th or 7th right now. So, But there's a lot we don't know, and this, like, this league's going to cannibalize itself. You can be pretty good and still finish 8th in the Big 12 this year. So that's what makes it uh, a bit of a challenge of sorts. But if you're Kansas State, if you don't win this one, and I'm, I'm predicting it, um, it's, it's conceivable that you could, you know, struggle to find other wins on the schedule. I mean, this is, this is one of the more winnable games. They are a four-point favorite. The line keeps widening as well. So certainly a lot of makers and professional gamblers and maybe the public likes to cast tonight. I do too. But uh, is that just me kind of hoping a little bit? I mean, they got to prove it a little bit more to me to be extremely confident in a Big 12 win right now. Yep. I agree, and after this TCU game, it's it's a gauntlet for sure. The next four games are going to be extremely tough. If you want a if you want a really good breakdown of tonight's game, listen to five ten. Mitch Palm has crunched the numbers, oh, and it's going to tell you exactly how this game is going to go down yeah. tonight. Yeah, I got I got one more thing. Go ahead. Because if you look beyond this game, like you the gauntlet, that's their next four games after TCU are against Texas Tech, Texas, and then probably the two best teams in the league in Kansas and Baylor. Texas is on the road. Now, you, the Texas Tech game is actually a pretty good spot because that'll be their fourth game in seven days and, and less than 48 hours from the prior game because Texas Tech has to play at home against Oklahoma State tomorrow night. So that's actually a good spot to get them if, if you are going to get them. But just think about how tough those four teams are and where they're positioned in the league. It's probably the four best teams in the Big 12 right now. And if you believe that, then for Kansas State to avoid a 2-6 and six start in the league and 2-6, and six, you're pretty much out of the Big 12 tournament. If right there, if you go two and six, but just to avoid two and six, you have to win three in a row. If you assume losses to KU and Baylor, we're speaking with Derek Young from K State Online. Dy, before I let you go, I do want to squeeze in a little bit of K State football. We haven't talked with you yep. since the bowl win, and the season is now wrapped up. They finished eight and five, but also, if 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 I'm not mistaken, the dead period for recruiting ends tomorrow. So. Well, with with transfers a little bit, I don't. I, I'd have to look for for high school recruiting. They can start that transfers visit again, just because uh, spring semester starts in a week or so. But and they'll want to be on campus for spring ball. Now, now in general, the that period lifts pretty soon. Also, maybe this tomorrow. I'd have to look it up. I think they'll still chase a high school running back, which is probably Travis Bate okay. from Tampa, and he'll be visiting Manhattan on January twenty first. And I still think they're going to chase and find a high school quarterback eventually, too. Now, who that is is still determined. Well, that was my – you answered my question. <laughs> Who's on the radar right now? Where is K-State looking right now to uh, – in, in the next uh, – yeah, in the next, I guess, couple of weeks when we got the next signing period coming up on February 2nd on, uh, you know, who could potentially be those next cats. Um, with that – D.Y., I'll let you go. You're driving right now to Manhattan, so please drive safely. Watch for deer, and we'll see you in a few hours. All right. See you then. All right. That's Derek Young from K-State Online. You can follow him at Rivals on Twitter. Just pumping out the K-State content right now. The content is through the roof, just like the the game podcast ratings. And um, if you want to check out what D. Young rivals on Twitter, Derek Young and the rest of K-State Online are putting out there, Check out KansasState.Rivals.com 
and get your K-State news and expert analysis. All right, let's take a break. we we got another interview coming up next, and that's the voice of the Chiefs. Yeah. Mitch Holtis is next to preview the playoffs. Coming up here in just a segment, we're going to talk with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. Mitch Fortner and David G. back with you. Were you rooting for the tie on Sunday? Of course. Yeah. Me and like a bazillion other people. And you know what? We almost got it. The, it uh, the word on the streets is that the Raiders, they were, that's what they were going to do. And then the guy just calls sit on the, it. Yeah. yeah. Guy calls the timeout. I couldn't believe that. But that was a heck of a game. Uh, Justin Herbert, man, was getting knocked around. Did you see like the look on that kid's face? He didn't want any more of that, but he kept him going. And that's uh, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the AFC West for the next twenty years, man. That's gonna be good. We're now joined by the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. Tie, no tie. What were you rooting for? Uh, it turned out fine. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what was weird was, uh, so Friday night, I'm in my quasi, I'm in a sequestered hotel room, theme hotel, but I'm, I'm, there's new COVID rules. I'm, I'm grab and go and in the hotel. So I think I'm going to work ahead. The most probabilities are Chargers and Colts and <laughs> three hours of just wasted time, which is fine. Because uh, we just recently played, played, played the Steelers. So it's a quick refresh, but. It turned out just fine to me. And Herbert played great. You guys, I mean, he's, he's really good. But he's also 16 and 17 as a starting quarterback. Wow. Let's just all, let's just all back up, <laughs> take a breath, and realize he's 16 and 17 as a starting quarterback. He's also only one of four quarterbacks in NFL history to have 30-plus touchdown passes uh, in his first two seasons and not make the playoffs. It hasn't happened very often. So... Let's just stay right there, and uh, before we have a parade for the kid, he's good. He's good. But Mahomes was what twenty six and seven, I think, and he's sixteen and seventeen. I would say the NFL was patting themselves on the back for adding that week eighteen to the season, and it was already Ooh, bonkers. Boy. It was already bonkers that that ga- that w- the d- the day started that Sunday started with the Colts losing to the Jaguars. Well, and the fact that they put. So you guys might have asked me a couple weeks ago, what do you think of all these division games being backloaded and the fact that Week 18 is essentially all division games? It was brilliant. Why? Because even if a team's thinking about laying down or like, hey, let's just go into the postseason, and you're Jacksonville and you're going, it's the Colts. And you know what? We could just, like, destroy their next six months of their lives. These division teams, including our great division, hate each other. They spend 365 days trying to figure out how to nuke each other off the earth. And if my season's kaput, but I'm playing those guys, and we could like put a uh, rock in their oatmeal, heck, why not? Let's go all out. We saw that all the way through, including the Broncos coming after the Chiefs. But that was all of those games were division rivals, and nobody really laid down. I mean, and so... The NFL was brilliant in how they set up. It's really going to be it's going to be called the pre-playoff playoff weekend. Just wait. I mean, that's what I called it. But you wait till next year. It'll feel like the pre-playoff playoffs. 
Yeah, not only that, but two teams are also kind of fighting in a way over the number one pick in the draft, but they are also trying to win their games. You know, they could have just sat back, lost the game, and got that number one pick, but everybody was competing. It's your division rival. Yeah, exactly. Are you going to lay down? It's, it's KU. You're playing KU, and you're like, are we going to lay down for this? It's KU. No, no, we're not going to lay down. And we can destroy if, – if K-State had a chance, any sport, to destroy KU season – like, yeah, we'll go ahead and do that. We, we'll we'll take care of the draft pick later. Yeah, th- that's what I thought with the Raiders and Chargers. With a chance to close the door on a division rival in that fashion, and then you hear the on the streets is that the Raiders were going to sit on it and going to let it go, you know, and they were fine with that until the late timeout. Um, were you surprised by that, that the Raiders before that timeout were thinking about let's just sit on this and go home? I don't think they were. I think that's hocus pocus. I don't think Basachi has said that, did he? Maybe I'm wrong. Well, he doesn't I seem like that kind of guy, you know. Like, no, Bisaccia they seems... weren't going to do that. I think that's. I think that's some. That's some hocus pocus that just made more salt into the wound. Yeah, I can say that after the game and go, "Hey, watch me, watch me say this, and that'll just make it worse." Um, that's what I think happened with that. I think that's. I wouldn't put any stock. I think the Raiders were playing to win that game all along. And Carr played his rear end off. I mean, Carr was awesome in that game. That that out pattern he threw to Zay Jones on their game-winning drive was legit. Uh, that and the fact the Chargers w- decided they wouldn't defend the run uh, and give up a third and 23 draw play for 24 yards. People forget about those kind of plays. Speaking with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtz, I, I do want to take a break on the NFL for just a moment because... Well, let's just say this. Let's say, Go ahead. Let's say baseball. K-State and KU are playing in the final weekend of baseball. KU's going to go in the postseason. Uh, K-State doesn't have much to play for, and it's their last game. And if K-State can take out KU to go to the postseason and end their year, you think they're going to do it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Every day of the week yeah. and twice on Sunday. There's no question. That's, yeah. That's why, that's why the NFL set it up this way. It's brilliant. Well, speaking of the Cats, you as everyone else learned on Sunday that uh, former K-State quarterback Matt Miller – passed away and I'm sure when you heard the news a lot of uh, memories were just flying through your head but when you when you think of Matt Miller what comes to your mind well first of all it's just a super sad situation that a guy that young uh, would pass away so soon I mean it's just for his family and uh, just heartbreaking when you think of Matt you also think of Les Les was in our personnel department I would see Les all the time even after I left K-State but I think of Matt Miller as the quarterback that got the Chiefs to the next step. His arm strength was so good. I remember the game that flipped the K-State KU rivalry for 30 years was the Thursday night win that I referenced many times in Lawrence in the 1994 season. And Don Davis had an interception, but the ball was thrown so fast it like like ricocheted off his collarbone. Uh, the fact that Matt Miller had arm velocity and with Coach Snyder's offensive scheme at that point, uh, I love Paul Watson, but he didn't have the arm Miller had. So when Miller, he could throw the deep out, he could throw every route, but the tempo of Coach Snyder's offense went to a next level. Like if you're just beating a cadence, it went quicker to one-eighth time instead of one-fourth time because of Matt Miller's arm strength. He, he just took him another notch up, made it more explosive. I know everybody talks about the, uh, the the touchdown pass in the Cincinnati game, the game winner, but 
what was the next best play for Matt Miller? What do, what play do we forget about? Quarterback sneak to get him into the Copper Bowl. A quarterback sneak. I'm pretty sure it was him. A quarterback sneak because it was uh, it was like a scratch where the Chiefs going to get there. Because remember, they could have wrapped it up the week before, I believe, against Iowa State. That was the famous streaker game. And Iowa State upset uh, K-State 27-23. So now it's like, wow, you don't want to just falter at the end and not get the ball game like and then they beat uh, Missouri. And I can still see it on that play. I'm pretty sure it's a quarterback sneak by Matt Miller. Look it up. But to me, that's the snapshot in my soul that will never go away because I'm thinking, howdy, duty. We are going to a bowl. We've, we've busted through to the next level. It was cross the line was the slogan I gave the team that stuck to this day. It's still what they run through to go on the field. That was 91. Get a winning season. The 93 was grab the ring. And that meant they were going to a bowl. And that play, I think I can still see it. Look it up. Get the winning touchdown. It wasn't a Matt Miller quarterback sneak against Mizzou because that set off this whole string of postseason phenomena that we've seen for Kansas State now for 30 seasons. I did get to speak to Mitch Running on Monday. It was great to catch up with him. Matt yeah. Miller's throw to Mitch Running in the Iowa State game is still to this day one of my favorite throws in K-State history. That was... You know, that's a 49-7 thumping of Iowa State in Ames. Yeah, that's certainly one of my favorite memories of Matt Miller. Well, and that was cool because he's from Decorah, Iowa. Mm-hmm. So it was an in-state kid, you know, sometimes, why isn't he playing at Luther College? Now, Mitch wasn't going to, like, blow you away when he walked into the wreck, right? In fact, you're thinking, hey, the first down the hallway. But he would, man, that dude could play. And, again, that's the speed of a Matt Miller arm, which made, he made running better. Because his accuracy and speed would give Mitch running a you know a head start on the throw, and the defenders would have less of a chance to react because of the velocity of Matt Miller's arm, uh, his throws from his arm. Somebody's got to look that up. That's freaking me out. I think it's a quarterback sneak, and it's Mizzou, and it's in. It's like we're in, baby. Mizzou's dead, and we're going. And boom, pep rally. Oh, we're gonna you know coach. I'm after the game. I'm going crazy because we're going to a bowl. I'm thinking, not the bowl in maybe because it had been kind of a rough rough uh, go for Mitchie the Kid in his time as the voice of the Wildcats going 0-11 and 0-10 and 1 yeah. and, and those gears. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow. Uh, and then Coach just like destroys my night because he goes, hey, you got, I, you're the one guy I can trust to make a pep rally go. So I spend the rest of the night like like my stomach's hurting because I'm like, I can't let Coach down. i got to get a pep rally. And boom, it turned into the, that started the pep rally phenomenon that night at the like La Paloma Hotel in Tucson. On the QB stink, I'll definitely have to look into it because I, I thought Matt Miller had to sit out that year because he uh, transferring from Texas A and M. But ninety three, he did. Yeah, I'm, I think he did because okay. I think it was all okay. Chad May. Oh, it was Chad May. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. It was Chad May. It was Chad May's quarterback sneak. My bad. My bad. So there you go. Good job. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had to sit out because of the Fullerton transfer. But yeah, the next year was when the uh, stuff going to work speed. Thank you for clearing that up. Well, we can always go double-check, so, though. No, uh, I just I, – then the, the, the play would be the interception that hey, you could have changed that game. Yeah. But the ball was thrown so hard it went, like, through his – like, he, had, he looked down, it was like cartoons, and he had a hole in his chest. <laughs> but, hey, Matt Miller was a part of that 94 team and that 95 team. That, that the only still ranked game between K-State and uh, KU, and Matt Miller thumped them. Well, let's, let's get back into the Chiefs here. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Tyreek Hill, 
Status going into Sunday. Do we know what they're uh, what they're able to do yet? It's a minor miracle that we're sitting here for a wild card game in week nineteen, essentially, and the injury report is as good as it's looked uh, in a while. Now, Clyde was limited today, so was Daryl Williams, but Tyreek was a full go. So, other than Niang, uh, who would be the starting right tackle in this game Sunday night, not playing. Uh, then you're, you, everybody else has got a shot to make it. And so uh, that's all good news. Yeah, Tyreek Hill, I knew he just had the one catch for two yards, but he he got hurt in warm-ups, right? Like he was, yeah, he was barely thinking, able to go. Yeah. Yep, two weeks in a row now without a warm-up injury. It's like, watch. Uh, and it was weird. It was a freaky thing. He just came down. It's like a heel bruise. Uh, he just came down and jammed his heel like a lot of us have done, painful. Uh, that's why they kept him out. They uh, He actually was on a double move and was wide open, and, and Mahomes didn't see him. Uh, of course, there was like two Denver guys ready to kill Mahomes, so that's why I didn't see him. Uh, but we brought him in, too, to run the Cleveland play. We ran one that it worked, and we were gonna, And the Cleveland play was the divisional playoff game last year where the Chiefs go to trips. They line him up inside, and then they rub him on a quick out, very Snyder-like in the early 90s uh, play. And so he was going to come in for a, like a – Kirk Gibson limp out there and hit the pinch hit home run and walk into the dugout. Um, and that's what they were going to do with him. But it appears now, as of today, uh, he's much better. So he's had a couple of days to rest it. And that, that injury is just, or injury, it's not even injury, it's more of a nuisance. It's more just rest than anything else. Well, Sunday Night Football will feature wild card matchup. Chiefs hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Ben is back in Kansas City after getting thumped by the Chiefs just uh, not too long ago, just a few weeks ago. But Ben Roethlisberger has been talking to the media about how that they have no chance and they're just going to go in and try to have some fun, which I'm, you know, it's supposedly going to be his last game, and I imagine so if the Chiefs pull out the victory, but. Kansas City after a 36-10 to win just a few weeks ago and Patrick Mahomes being so good against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, is it hard to think that Big Ben is uh, wrong? Well, a couple things here. One, is Mike Tomlin going to run down that tunnel with that team? Yes. The answer is yes. yes. This is like a deposition with an attorney. I'm asking a question. <laughs> I know the answer. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if you've ever been deposed, but that stinks. Like, are you guys not the answer? Why are you even answering? <laughs> uh, so, uh, but Tomlin's going to run down that tunnel. That means the Steelers are going to come to play. And it's a 50-year tradition of toughness and pride. That's what the Steelers are bringing. Now, Big Ben has played in 20, what is 13-9. This will be his 23rd playoff game. Now, he's not won a playoff game since that divisional playoff game in 16 against the Chiefs, uh, where they had six field goals and they, the controversial holding call by Colonel Chaffers, not that I remember his name, uh, that would took the two-pointer off the board and it's not tied anymore and all that. Now, I think the Steelers will come to play and they're going to give it all they've got. I think they're playing possum here. And I think Big Ben, was I on with you guys the week before the regular season game in Week 16, that Christmas game? But the Stanford, was I on with you guys? We talked right after because I asked you about Byron Pringle. Yeah, okay. The reason I say that was, I go back, you can have some fun, listen to this, go to the Defending the Kingdom podcast. Just go to YouTube and search it, Defending the Kingdom Chiefs, and all those episodes will pop up. Go to the one before the Steeler game because I called it Russian history, meaning that, ben, or that Big Ben is like Grigory Rasputin. 
right, in Russian history is the guy they couldn't kill. They put him under ice, they shot him, they stabbed him, just like, Roar! just like this, you know, the, the monster movie, uh, late at night when we were kids and we were terrified. Like, he just shows up, he just keeps showing up. And so the NFL can't get rid of the guy. They're good. He's in the playoffs. He's the seventh seed, but he's in the playoffs. But it's Big Ben. I mean, you can't kill the guy. He's like the weed in the garden you can't get rid of. And um, and I say that as a compliment because there's Steeler fans all over the place, including listening to us in the little apple. That I got. My grandpa was a Steeler fan, Steel Curtain. So don't be mad. Don't go on Twitter. It's a compliment. You can't kill Ben Roethlisberger. He's a weed that will not go away. But hopefully the Chiefs get into his career on Sunday. They're coming to play, boys. Get ready. And just just uh, mouthwash that game three weeks ago. It does not matter. It's late. Mitch, one more for you. These playoffs really do seem kind of wide open. I know you'd obviously pick the Chiefs, which the Chiefs are my favorite to win the AFC. The NFC feels super wide open as well, with the Packers obviously being the favorite. But who would you take out of the NFC? No clue. It would be the Packers just because of Rodgers and playing such a high level and having to buy. One thing that we're going to have, and we won't know until we have five years of data on this, that let's go back to the way we started this conversation with the pre-playoff playoffs. What you're doing if you don't get the buy, and this is a, we'll see if it affects the Chiefs, is you're adding one more playoff-type tough game. That's what last weekend felt like. So now you're going to have to win seemingly four playoff games to get it done if you don't have the bye. So that's why the, the Packers, I think, is my pick right now. But, hey, we know this. Don't be surprised by anything in this league. It's crazy. Chiefs and Steelers Sunday night, seven fifteen here on Cayman. Mitch, appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Matt, I said Matt Miller, rest in peace. But in that play against Cincinnati, we had the Giants the next day. That's when I was doing both teams, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking my voice is shot flying home. I'm thinking, I hope it's a blowout the next day. It was an overtime walk-off field goal. I had nothing by the end of that Chiefs thing. So, Matt, I, way to go, buddy. Way to beat Cincinnati. But, man, you took Mitchie the kid out for like two weeks. That's the voice okay. of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. Hour two of the game is coming up next.